Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. John chapter 13. We are working our way through um, a series of sermons taking us through Labor Day, um, thinking about the tools that God uses um, to shape us. The idea is that God really does want to shape us. He wants to change us, and he wants to do so from the inside out. This is not a matter of uh, God just making us more polite so that we function better in society. It is much more profound than that. It is a distinct and radical change from the inside so that we become the people who um, look like, think like, act like, believe like, feel like, speak like, um, all the other likes, Jesus. That's the idea, is that we become a people who are like Jesus in every way that you can possibly imagine. And we call that process, at least around here, our word for it is transformation. A couple of weeks ago, we kicked off and these little kind of little bitty sayings along the way is what we're trying to hammer home, if you will. Uh, these are the tools that uh, God has hanging on the wall of his garage and he will take one off every so often and hit you with it. Yes. And in doing so, it will shape you. Uh, hopefully, it won't be too bad. But the first one is transformation begins with consecration. In other words, I have to offer my life to God. That, that is the call, is for me to offer my life to God. And when I do, he goes to work to bring about the change that he wants to bring in my life. We, we start there. God, my life is yours. Please do with it as you wish. It's terrifying sometimes, but this is the right thing. Secondly, last week we looked at um, take the risk and obey because there will be times where we're kind of standing on the side of the pool, so to speak, and the father is in the pool going, come on, come on, come on, jump, 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 jump. We've got things to do. Come on, this is going to be great. Come on, you can do this. And the, the idea is to take the risk and obey. We jump, and when we do, we find that there is impact on us, there is impact on others, and the father was there all along waiting. He was already there. And today, we're going to talk about how serving shapes us. Serving shapes us. Um, it is Promotion Sunday, a little uh, um, uh, commercial here. We've got a couple of things in the back there for you to uh, ponder later and take a look at. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, more here in just a second. But I just wanted to, to, to note that there are plenty of opportunities, not only within the structure of our church family, but also outside of the structure of our church family. One of the great things that I love is when you come up to me and you talk about a way that you are doing ministry that has no, um, uh, it has nothing to do with anything that we do here. It's just that God has worked in you to reach out to somebody. And I love that. I just want you to know I hear you on that, and I'm cheering you on. So uh, John chapter 13, if you are unfamiliar with this passage, uh, you can read at the very top, uh, probably if it's anything like mine, where it says, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. So that's the idea. It's the night before Jesus went to the cross, the night before um, he died, and he is in the upper room. He has had a meal with them, instituted the Last Supper, and now here we are, John chapter 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world of the Father, having loved his own, who that's his disciples, loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I don't want to run past that. I want to just pause for just a second to say, Jesus the servant, as we will see here, Jesus sticks himself in that role, takes on that role. It is an expression of his identity. And the idea is Jesus had a goal. And what was the goal? To love them to the end. He had loved um, these people, imperfect as they were, struggling though they were, 
And man, it was really going to mess them up the next 24 hours or so as, it, as the events of that uh, next 24 hours unfolded where he was um, tried, um, whipped, crucified, died, and laid in a tomb. That was going to mess him up, but he was going to love them to the end. And the reason why I think that's so critical for you and for me is because, just to say out loud, his goal is to love you to the end also. He will see you through. The things that not only uh, feel like they're going to be overwhelming, feel like they're going to be so just out of whack and the understanding. I mean, you just can't fathom that this is actually happening. Jesus wants to love you to the end also. That's his goal. So when he takes on the... Uh, the um, uh, the identity of servant, when he, when he expresses that identity through the things that we'll read about here, I want you to know that it's because he wants to love them to the end like he wants to love you to the end. If you think, oh, well, I'm at the point now where his love's probably like going to run out like it's the end of the train tracks there and they got the barricade and I'm just going right off the bridge into the, into the little gully. No, he's going to love you to the end. That's his goal. Verse 2, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and he was going back to God, rose from supper. And I want to, um, again, not rush through this, just get through it, but not rush through it. There was a, a place, if you will, of security that Jesus stepped out into service from. Did you see it there in verse 3? Knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God was going back to God. He knew where he came from. He knew what was available to him. And he knew where he was going. He knew where he came from. He knew what was available to him and he knew where he was going. That is what allowed him to step forward in service. That is what allowed him to, to move towards his disciples, imperfect though they were. That is what allowed him to do some of the things that we'll talk some more about in just a second, was that he knew where he was, he knew where he had come from. He knew what was available to him and he knew where he was going. All of those things, all of those things shaped, um, shaped how he approached service. Jesus comes along and he says, uh, this is earlier um, in the gospel story, his disciples are fussing and fuming about something. And he says to him, look, kids, look, here's the deal. I didn't come to be served. Out of all the people in the world, look, I'm the one who deserves it. But I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. What allowed him to step into that role was this sense of security. Like he knew where he had come from. He knew he was the son of God. He knew what was available to him, all the resources of heaven, all things are in his hand. And he knew where he was going. Listen, listen, he knew where he was going in both the pain of the crucifixion as well as the glory of the resurrection. He had both. And he knew where he, wow, he knew where he was going. Thirdly, under this, look what happened. Verse 4, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and had to wipe them, excuse me, and um, to wipe them, he began to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So if you're not familiar with this, um, this kind of idea, you know, 
in the Middle East, it's still uh, uh, practiced in some ways. But, uh, you know, they, they would come in. They're just open sandaled, like they didn't have closed-toed shoes, right? So they just rolled along the roads, and their feet would get all nasty and stuff. And then you come into the house. And if you come into the house with your feet all nasty, what are you going to do? You're going to make the floors all nasty and everything else. So they would um, recline there at the table and kind of push their feet out of the way. And, and there were times, if you were a good host, uh, there were times where they would offer a bowl of water so that you um, could wash your feet. But it was really unheard of for the host to wash the feet. There was always a servant or you could wash your own or whatever. This is not that. Anybody, just pause here. Does anybody see the need for this? Like you, you see the need for this. Anybody ever had a kid go through the mud and then track stuff in the house? This is the idea. Yesterday, my 17 year old comes home from work soaking wet and I hear him open the door and then the next sound I hear is not hey dad it is squish 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 I mean he is head to toe so I'm like kick your shoes off take your socks off why what because look you've got this whole trail of things behind you right and so the the idea is is simply that like there is a need there is a need and so Jesus steps into that to say, I, I see this need, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a part of meeting this need. But his role w- was servant, and then, as he did so, takes the towel, washes their feet, and then look down at verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? So Jesus, his role was servant, but not subservient. He, he served them, and then he retook his place. So that, that's kind of the, the thing is that we're not putting Jesus on a leash here to do what we uh, want him to do. Jesus is serving us, and then he is reclaiming his place. That's his role. L- last part, verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. For so I am. If then your Lord and your teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them, if you do them. So his command is simply this, to follow his example. How? By making a painting or writing a paper? No, no, by doing what he did. By doing what he did. You follow his example by doing what he did. And, and, and the thing on this is, is like, it may come to a point where like you may need to literally wash somebody's feet. There are times when that may very well happen. But bigger than that, bigger than that, much larger than that, is to think about the people who are around us and then step into whatever their need is and try to be a people who serve them and meet their needs. We follow the example of Jesus when we serve. Jesus the servant. And so if, if we are his people, what then does it look like for us to follow Jesus, the servant, to do what he did, is that we become servants of Jesus. Jesus, the servant, produces a transformed life, a set of transformed lives, you and me, that are servants of Jesus. And that's that, that is one of the roles that we get to play. It's one of the identities that we get to take on. It's one of the things that we get to be a part of in this world is to be servants of Jesus. And so just some interrogatives, some questions, if you will, 
to think about what this might look like. Um, question number one, who do we serve? Like if we're servants of Jesus, who do we serve? I mean, because there are people that I like and I, I don't mind serving them. There are people who need me. I don't necessarily mind serving them. It makes me feel good. There are people who can give something back to me as a result of it. And I, I mean, that seems like a good deal to serve them. Do, do I just leave it in those three categories? Or is there somebody else? Is there some other group? And the answer to that, who do we serve? And the answer to that is everybody. Every single person is a prospect to receive our service. Every single person that you know, that you encounter, that you walk past, um, that uh, uh, ex- uh, you know is in your um, uh, circle over here or is in your circle over here or lives next door or sits in the classroom or whatever it may be, every single person is a prospect for our service. Why is that? Because every single person is made by God in his image and is dearly, passionately, sacrificially loved by God. It would be one thing if I only served the people who were like me or who liked me or that I could get something back in return for or who stroked my ego and and just, you know, hey, you needed me and I'm stepping in. Here, look at me. I'm the hero. Like it would be one thing if that were the case. But Jesus, it's far, far bigger than that. And the call of Jesus on our lives is to serve not just some, but anybody and everybody who's around us. Everybody, every single person around us is made by God in his image and is deeply and passionately and sacrificially sacrificially loved by God. So let's just tease this out a little bit and uh, do this. Back to verse 6. So Jesus has risen from dinner. He's kind of taken off his outer garments. He's wrapped this towel around his waist. It's getting really uncomfortable in the room. I mean, can you just picture this? Jesus, the Lord, the master, the teacher, he is stepping into this role and everybody's like, I don't know what's happening here. Read now, read verse six. He came to Simon Peter before we get there. Can we just say like, we love us some Simon Peter here, right? Like speak first, think second. You know what I mean? All that. Anybody with me on that? Like you just, I'm Simon Peter's my guy. Uh, Verse six. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, what I am doing, you don't understand now, but afterward, you will understand. So let's just uh, uh, put this in context. We'll try to use some broader language here. Um, Jesus serves the ignorant. And the servant of Jesus serves the ignorant also. And when we say ignorant, this is not disparaging. I mean, literally, he says, you don't understand right now. There are people who, that you, who, because of your service, you will step into their world. You, you will meet their need. You will, you will do something for them on their behalf for their good to see God's will and, and kingdom come in their lives. And they'll be like, I don't have framework for what's going on here. What is happening? I do not understand. They are ignorant. They're not bad people. They're just, they're just ignorant. They do not know. They're without knowledge. They do not understand. And that's Peter. Uh, Lord, do you? You wash my feet? Like, I'm just here eating whatever I'm eating. Feet are out. They're kind of nasty. What are you doing? I don't think I understand this. Jesus consistently has a much bigger agenda at work. And there are times when he will ask us to do something. He will ask us to step into something. And even we, the people who are obeying, don't have a framework for all that he's going to do. 
He serves the ignorant. Everyone around us is a prospect for our service, including those who do not understand. Again, we're all Peter. Look at verse 9. Excuse me, verse 8. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I don't wash your feet, you have no share with me. So you've got the ignorant. I, I don't understand what's happening here. This doesn't match my concept of, uh, of people who go to church or Baptist people or Christians generally or God or anybody. Like, I don't have a framework for all this that is unfolding here. That's ignorance. You also have the proud. Hey, I don't, like, don't, don't, just, uh, I, I'm good. Leave me alone. Anybody have in them, let's start with you personally, and then we can talk about all the people that you don't like. Um, anybody have in them that kind of self-reliance that goes, eh, I'm good, you're good. Because that makes me uncomfortable, right, when I'm having to rely on somebody else. And so you're like, yeah, I, I, I got this. It may, it may take me three times as long. It may cost me way more money and time and effort and maybe a few words that I won't repeat here. But, like, I, I got it. I got it. Proud. And then when you step in and try to help somebody else and you receive that back, that kind of feedback back, they're like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. You're like, hey, just, l- like, just let me help you. Let me serve in this way right here in this moment. Let me, and they're like, ah, yeah, right, 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 right. The proud. So Jesus, very kindly, very kindly, but pointedly, we, we've talked about this in here before, and so I just want to say this is one expression of that. Um, what does God do to pride? He opposes it. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Listen to this opposition. If, you don't, uh, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Peter's like, oh, okay. The ignorant and the proud. And just because Peter's our guy, let's keep reading. Verse 9. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. So, okay, you got this, right? Here's Jesus, um, dinner, like really important moment. He knows, uh, like everybody in the room kind of feels there's some real thickness in the room. And Jesus has on his mind something that, that they're not privy to. Like Jesus is going to the cross, but they're not sure how this is all working out. Dinner, all this kind of stuff. Jesus stands up. They're like, what are you doing? What's going on? Strips outer garments, puts on the towel, begins washing feet. He works his way around. And Peter's like, uh, I don't think I, can you help me? Because I do not understand what is happening here. And he's like, well, I'm going to wash. Hey, no, 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 no. You don't have to wash my feet. Oh, listen, if you don't wash my feet, I wash your feet, then uh, you don't have any part of me. Okay, okay, just give me the whole thing then. Like, can I get the shampoo and the rinse? Like, can I do the whole, to take the whole thing? Anybody have in their life, like the person who overreacts to everything? Peter is all of us. I mean, their, their amplitude is this high and this low, like normal people run at this. But I mean, up here, down there, right? And they consistently overreact, not only in the moment, but then like the iterations of the story that pan out. And then as you hear them telling the story, they get all excited and worked up again. This is the overreactor and this is Peter. What makes that, what makes serving that person difficult is you never know what you're going to get. I mean, you're, oh yeah, go ahead and do my head and my hair and all this stuff too. This is, this, this is where Jesus is with Peter. So Jesus in verse 10 says, the one who's bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. He's completely clean. clean. You're clean, but not every one of you. So he's like, Hey man, just bring it down like two or three notches here. Let's just, 
just receive what is here in front of you. You've got those who don't understand. They don't have a framework for what's happening. You've got those who would oppose you because it strikes at their self-reliance. And you've got those who are like, ah! And this is the one that messes me up. And you're clean, he says to Peter, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. Because there's another guy in the room. There's 12 of them, 13 with Jesus in the room. And one of them's name is Judas. He didn't... He doesn't leave the room until verse 21 and following. Like that's later in the story. So as Jesus is working his way around the table, he's this. Galatians chapter 5, it's verse um, 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So I could use it for myself, but I won't. But through love, serve one another. There it is. Love and serve. Love and serve. Love and serve. Through love, serve one another. Why? For the whole law is fulfilled in a single word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So here we are. All of this comes together. All of this ties together. When we, when we serve others, we serve him. We're not repaying a debt that we owe to God. We're not trying to get God on our side. Hey, God, look over here. I'm serving This is a part of who Jesus made us to be. And so we serve. Thirdly, the the, the what. Like, what is it that we actually do? It is a willingness um, to sacrifice. A willingness to sacrifice in love for their good. Willingness to sacrifice in love for the good. Meaning, we want what God wants for them. And we move to work towards that. We want God's best for them. And we look for ways to bring that about in their lives. That's the what. Willingness to sacrifice in love for the good. There are times when we will offer help and people won't want it. We still offer the help. There are times when people will need the help and will not take it. And there will be there will be times when people will want a kind of help that doesn't actually help them. All that the, the, the way that we go through the decision matrix to pull all that together is to ask the question, God, what is your best for them? I am willing to sacrifice in love for your good, for the goodness of God to come in their lives. And I, I will just pause here and say it is far, far less than convenient most of the time. It would be great if service was always convenient, but that's the idea. Our service isn't. It is, it is a kind of personal involvement. I want you to keep in your mind Jesus taking the towel, taking the tub of water, and washing their feet. I mean, like he got on their pinky toes. Can you picture that? The Son of God has Peter's pinky toes in his hands. That is personal involvement. That, that is, it, it is far more than offering a prayer, although we need to pray. It is far more than writing a check, although we need resources. It is a personal involvement. Last thing uh, under this. How? How do we do this? We do this in the strength um, that God supplies um, and, and the wisdom that he provides. Peter reflecting, I think, probably on something 
a lot like this, says this in his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the varied grace of God, the different kinds of grace that God unfolds here. Whoever speaks as the one who speaks of the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. You heard Ian talking about, God gave me the strength to get through the concrete. I mean, whether or not it was concrete, but he gave me the strength. To, we do this in the strength that God supplies. Because if I do it in my own strength, my service lasts about that long. So I do it in God's strength and the strength that he supplies in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever. How do we do this? We do it in the strength that God supplies. Because of Jesus We know where we've come from. We know the story that he's told in our lives so far. We know what is available to us. And we know where we're going. Just like that was the place from which Jesus stepped. That was the, if you will, the security from which he stepped. So it is for us too. We know where we've come from. We know what is available to us. And we know where we're going. Therefore, we can step out in the strength that God supplies. Last comment here is how serving shapes us. So Jesus is the servant. He creates servants of Jesus. How then does this transformation happen in our lives? I'll just give you three things to think about. Number one, it sets us firmly in the story that God is telling through us. When we serve, it sets us firmly in that story. We become characters in the story that God is telling through us. And this is true of you personally, in your neighborhoods, on your ball teams, in the soccer field, in your classrooms, um, in the friend groups, in all the places, in the cube farms where you work, on the plant um, site, or wherever it may be. This is true. It sets you firmly in the story that God is telling through your life. When we serve, this is what happens. And it's when we collectively as a church family step out to serve, it sets us firmly in the story that God is telling through us, through us. I'm going to do just put a little parenthesis here and give you a little bit of a commercial. There are, in case you didn't know, there are opportunities to serve within our church family. Preschool, Sunday school needs, needs a teacher. I think it's three-year-olds. You love three-year-olds? We got a spot for you. We, we want people who love kids to help them to know that they are loved by God. Um, our, our kids ministry, we are getting ready. We're uh, like three weeks from cranking up full on Wednesday night with um, uh, student ministry. already has stuff on Wednesday night uh, with kids ministry um, and with um, adult ministry. Like we've got all these things that are going to unfold. And those aren't really teaching positions. Those are listening positions where you get to be a part of someone's life. Um, that's in kids. J- Jared, right now, you can go talk to him here in a minute. Uh, I think needs uh, two women and two men to step into the lives of teenagers and be a part of what God's doing um, in their lives. And there are uh, multiple other adult options as well. So th- the story that God is telling through you You get to be a part of it in all the places you get to go. And through us, this is an opportunity for us to step forward into that. It sets us firmly in the story that God's telling. Secondly, it can cultivate humility in us. Now, let's just say, it doesn't always cultivate humility in us. Sometimes it cultivates frustration, if we're honest. But it can. It can cultivate humility in us. And just pause here, take a little snap poll. Um, We need less humility in the world, right? Everybody with me uh, 
You know, we need more, all of us. L- last thing, um, the, the, how it shapes us is it puts us in a story, it cultivates humility, or it can. And it pushes us to think about others and their needs. As I step out in service, I'm thinking about who is around me that needs service. What, what do they actually need? What would be most helpful to them? I don't know if you've been tracking or not, but the Little League World Series is happening right now. Anybody with me on this? This is baseball worth watching, people. Um, I love Little League World Series stuff. Love it. Pearland has a team going to Williamsport, yeah? Okay, good. Yeah, okay. Woo, woo. Okay, good. Uh, n- nowhere, when you think about pushing us to think about others and their needs, nowhere is that better pictured than the game between Pearland and Tulsa that happened um, this past week. It was the deciding game to see who would go to Williamsport. And this, this is what happened. This is really cool because as a pitcher, Bubs looks shaken up right now because of what he did. And look at Zay Jarvis. This is such great sportsmanship. He wants him to know that it's okay, that he'll be fine. Hey, Bob. Look at me. Look at me. You're all right. Amazing. You're all right. Look at me. Hey, look. Yeah. What a stud right there. Zay Jarvis. That's a cool moment, huh? I mean, you see mom, or I don't know if she's mom, but the person. You know, that's right. Everybody in here is like, that's so good. The kid who took the shot ends up going over to comfort the one who couldn't control the fastball. Why? Because he was thinking about this kid and his needs. He had just met the kid, according to the story, he had just met the kid a couple of days earlier, Bubs. And Bubs is not making it on the mound. You saw him. I mean, they, they actually pulled him. He couldn't pull it back together. But the Jarvis kid walked, called time out, walked over, gave him a hug and said, hey, you got this. You're doing great. Come on, let's go. That's not just sportsmanship, folks. That's kingdom. That pushes, that that is an example of being pushed to think about others and their needs. This is what Jesus has done for us. He looked at you and me. And he said, man, I I see them. It, It was their sin that put me on the cross, but I see them. And so the way that Paul reflects on this in Philippians 2 is, have this mind in yourselves that is also in Christ Jesus, who, 
though he was very much God, didn't consider equality with God a thing to be put in his pocket and just held on to. Instead, he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of man, he became obedient, even to the point of death, death on the cross, and therefore God highly exalted him. He looked down at you and me and said, I didn't come to be served, although I deserve it. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. This is what Jesus has done for you. He thought about you and your needs, and we have the opportunity to think about others and theirs. If you've never put your trust in Jesus today, I want to invite you to today surrender to him. This whole process begins with you offering your life to him. And if you have, I want you to think about what it looks like for you to step into Monday ready to serve, ready to embrace this identity and then step forward in it. I'm going to offer a prayer for us and we'll have a song of response. Would you join me? Um, Father, now for Jesus' sake, would you please do the things that you want to in us by your Holy Spirit? We believe that you've spoken and we believe that you have said, spoken to each person here. You didn't leave anybody out. You're not silent in anybody's life. I pray that every single person would now know what they're supposed to do. For anybody who needs to confess their sin and receive your forgiveness, I pray that you would bring them to that point today. For anyone who needs to step out and whatever that may look like for them, let it be for them as well. We commit them to you now in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen.